apologies for the external noise, but this is a quick introduction to the following recording of the live event held at Carabines in Puerto Viejo, Costa Rica. This was the second installment of a Mindshare, which is a boutique TED Talks curated to bring people together using ideas from their mind, sharing with their hearts. We talked about nurturing communities in 2021 as a part two to the first Mindshare held in March, which is about designing and developing communities in 2021. We had four presentations, all bringing together best practices of community and unpacking them in very unique and different ways. Part of Mindshare's beauty and innovation is bringing together like minds from different tribes and having them understand each other's differences and really empowering the engagement of similarities and how we're all one as human beings. I hope you enjoy this raw, unedited, live recording of 2.0's Mindshare in Costa Rica. This was an effort to raise money for El Puente, a charity that bridges the indigenous with modernity, bringing to light traditional practices and rituals and philosophies and concepts that can help aid the modern world with being more in tune in touch with community, but also the natural world. Enjoy. Uh, feel free to social media. We want to share this with as many people as possible in the places that are not able to come here. So bring the balance between IRL here in real life and URL. Uh, but make sure your phone is on silent for sure. Um, take washing breaks as your own leisure. Be mindful of when you exit and enter. Um, Caribbeans is generously providing all us attendees 20% off snacks and drinks. So please feel free to help yourself there. Um, there will be interactive activities today. So from the looks of us Puerto Viejo people, um, we're all good with that. I think we're pretty good. Um, also, and lastly, support your speakers. So when your speakers are up here, be as enthusiastic as possible, smile, it really helps because not everyone is very comfortable with public speaking. And so I guess give them as much booga as possible, good, good vibes. Um, because it's so helpful to have that when speaking here. So engage with them as you would like to be engaged. And let's begin with an opening ceremony that I love to bring forward to each of my events. Um, it'll be a little bit of an activity and then a meditation, okay, just to open things up. All right, so let's all stand up. Again, energy. Let's start with some tapping, guys. So we're going to start clapping our hands. <laughs> Round of applause for yourself for arriving here. Good. Let's we'll ourselves in the back. Good job, yeah. <laughs> Other tap, shoulder. Bring it down to our lower back. Good, around to the hips. They're all areas, leftful areas that need a little more attention, blood, hair, oxygen, nutrition. 
come down to the thighs, inner thighs, to the inner calves, we'll do the squat as well, outside calves, outside of the thighs, the booty, <laughs> bring around to your stomach, chest, Ah. Good. From here, let's go to our shoulder, inside arm, all the way to the meridian channels, over to the wrist, back of the elbow, shoulder, switch arms, front of the shoulder, chest, all the way around, come back to the wrist, elbow, bicep, let's go to the head, the back of the head. Let's cuff our hands around the ears, to the temples, to the jaw. Go over back to the chest, right on that sternum, onto the stomach. And just let our hands pulse. Feel the blood in your hands. Feel how alive that has made you feel. Reminder that we are here, alive and well and healthy. Be grateful for that. Let's move over to our neighbor. Let's give him a little bit of a massage or tap on the back. Go ahead. Over to your other neighbor. Send it back. <laughs> experiencing that here, so the others know, they have a feeling of what this is all about. All right, it's nice to get into our bodies and out of our heads for a little bit of a moment there. All right, let's begin with closing our eyes. Let's continue on this welcoming. So everyone close your eyes, and I wanted to lead us through a ceremonial meditation. I have three invitations for you. I invite you to leave the ego, competition, and armor at the door. I invite you to pause your ambitions, close off some tabs in your brain, and let your guard down. I invite you to exude your leadership by being as present as possible, giving attention. Let us honor and celebrate the fact that we're all here together, sharing the same space, breathing in the same air, standing on the same ground, united by the same forces, connected by the same cause, passing through life miraculously at this same time. Let us acknowledge the importance of this community gathering. You showed up, that's a win. You made time for someone that's important to you and something that's important to you, that's a win and you created space for something new and self-development based. That's a win. 
when shifting from the act of designing to nurturing, one thing that has been very powerful for me is ritual. A ritual must have a specific purpose, a clearly stated intention, and something to resolve. The elements of ritual allow us to connect with the self, the community, and the natural forces around us. There are personal rituals, maintenance rituals, radical rituals, and community rituals. Today's Mindshare is a community ritual, something that has been practiced since the beginning of our existence as humans. Your presence and cooperation today is a giant step towards nurturing your relationship with the concept of community. You showing up is an agreement to yourself that you value this concept. It's a way of reminding your spirit and higher self that this is of great importance. So let's take three communal breaths together to close out this opening ceremony. Everyone take a big inhale and exhale. And another one, inhale. And audible exhale. Last one, your very deep inhale. And exhaling together. Thank you so much for that. You can open your eyes. We will begin with our first presenter, David Powell, on Community's Heartbeat. Round of applause for David. against 
each other or almost against each other, you can feel a little something of the same thing. This is what I mean when I say that we're beings who are unseen also. We generate a biomagnetic field, an electromagnetic field, from our body. This is what runs our brains. It's what runs our hearts. You ever notice how in the TV movies, you know, when somebody has a heart attack, and they go, clear, clear, boom! What do they do? They keep them with electricity. Because we are also electric beings. When we touch each other, we aren't just touching each other. We aren't just touching each other like this. We're touching each other with our fields. An organization called the Heart Math Institute has measured the fields around us. It's like in a circle around us. The strongest one is from our hearts that stand out between me and Adriana. To reach that far in a circle all around us. When the sun flares up, it's also a huge electrical force field. It's a, it's a that. It can kill your electronics. It also affects us. We are connected that far out. And obviously, if the sun doesn't come up one day, <laughs> we're in big trouble. Okay, next thing. So anyway, unseen, right? Find your heartbeat. Upper left, if you're having trouble feeling it. Find your pulse in your throat. When was the last time you thought about making your heart beat? Thank goodness, huh? <laughs> Can you imagine if you had to think about it every time for your heart to beat? Wow. What a lot of work. Or to breathe. Or to handle growth. You know, we're losing cells all the time. Our entire body is, is replaced every seven years much of our body much, much quicker than that. We are such a miraculous, miraculous creation. It is amazing that we can go on and on and on as long as we do. Okay, this hand, grab your booty, grab your butt. Yeah, twice you gotta grab your booty and get cheated too. Okay, now take a step. Now take a step back again. You feel your butt move? It's the largest muscle in your body, gluteus maximus. Now, why is the butt important? Think about a chimpanzee. You ever see in the movies the chimpanzee walk? Chimpanzees got no butts. Without this butt, you can't stand up very well at all. And you can't walk very well at all. So this is a scene part of it. <laughs> this is a nice scene part of it. you here for a minute? I'm going to do one other thing before I sit down. Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to 
put my hands on Julian's shoulder, like this, he's gonna do the same. We're just gonna look in each other's eyes. Without words, we're gonna take two breaths together. And then we're gonna come out into the audience, we're gonna pick one of you, and, but just turn to a person next to you and do the same. And keep doing it, keep finding a new person until I say stop. These are prescription, but <laughs> doesn't work for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. You can include Julian and I into it too. And just turn to whoever's next. Depression caused by 
my loneliness. Now, I want to illustrate just how important this is. Think of an animal that has whites of their eyes, called sclera, as big as a human being's. Dogs have got little bitties, you know, but can you think about an animal that has these huge whites of the eyes like you just are looking at in each other's eyes? There isn't one. The whites of our eyes are one of the things that has allowed us to grow big brains. Now wait a minute, that's a stretch, right? Except that at four months old, a baby already has what they call a theory of mind. The baby is only four months old, but already it has this idea that other beings are figuring stuff out also. Four months old. See, we're born with our brains 25% of the size that they will become. Other primates, even really smart ones like chimpanzees and motorboats, they're born with half their brain. And they're 50% they're of the size they will become. What enables us to grow these big, complicated brains is communication. And also by the fact that our lives depend on If a baby doesn't establish rapport and connection to that I gave with another being, they don't have a way to communicate, they don't know, they don't have a way to become not helpless. Just think about it. Everybody see little baby such a completely <laughs> Helpless. That eye gaze. So touch is really important, but babies touch us and we touch them with our eyes. And that's what we just did. It's essential to human beings. It feeds that desire to know how others are thinking and to know that they are another thinking being. And then, you know, anybody who's had kids realize, my gosh, they grow so completely quickly after that. But there are lots of signs in our body about how important that connection is. And of course, what are we talking about in community? We're talking about connection. Now, even from just this little exercise we did now, connection between you and some of the people you look in each other's eyes, they're not going to be the same for you anymore. You actually know something different about them. You see spirit or soul. You see something in someone's eyes that has us know them better. We're designed for that designed to connect in this way. So one of the things important in community is to do away with anonymity. It's to encourage connection the way we just connected. So one other illustration 
think of a time when you did something for a stranger or someone you didn't know well. Think of a joyous moment that you shared with them or just you had permission, whatever, to look into somebody's eyes and have that gaze held long enough for you to see each other. When Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev, the head of the Soviet Union, met in Reykjavik, they were completely at odds. At the end of that Reykjavik summit, they came back with a, an agreement to downgrade nuclear missiles to the numbers and the types to make us all safer. Ronald Reagan, who had called them the evil empire, people in the press said, but that was the evil empire you just met with. Why did you do this? What? And his advisor said the same thing. They tried to water that agreement down as much as possible. Ronald Reagan, a man who I'm not a fan of, said, well, I looked into his eyes and I saw his soul. That's what we're designed to do. Exactly. Look into each other's eyes and see each other's souls. Community <laughs> that encourages that is going to be in great shape. So I'm going to have you come up one more time. We're going to do the same exercise. As one miraculous being looking at another miraculous being without words, let's go. Ran 
this. They said, we're the killer ape. We're aggressive. We are. That's what's allowed us to dominate the planet. We're killer apes. Well, the combination of neuroscience, you know, they can put you into a kind of a long cylinder and actually watch your brain light up and different things are happening. Like if you look at a picture of a loved one, fMRI it's called, and they can tell, they now know what parts of the brain that affects. And now the things like I told you about the whites, the eyes, the sclera, they're able to see even babies' brains about what's happening. So we have now a whole different theory and understanding and experience of who we are. We are not killer apes. We are cooperative apes. We are apes designed for love. Literally, there is a, we have nerve cells called C. afferens cells. They have only one purpose. If you want to just kind of stroke the area of your back a little bit with two fingers, across here really slow and soft. afferens nerves are designed only to register and feel those touches. In other words, afferens nerves have been evolved by human beings only to register caresses. We are the animals designed to cooperate for us towards cooperating, it's to have us love each other. You're also rewarded for that. Think of some time when you did something for a stranger or somebody you only knew and only a small acquaintance with. Or if you want a really powerhouse one, think of what time when you were with somebody, even if you did not know them well, and they just got really bad news. In the picture, sometime, and somebody got horrendous news. So much so that it was like, hey. you feel them almost heart, your heart stop. And maybe because, simply because you were the closest one, you opened your arms, and they came into them, and you just held them. While they shook, while they cried, whatever. Everybody got a memory like that? We're fairly fragile creatures. That's how we live the way we have. That is what makes us horrible. It's what we do for each other. In community, the practice of kindness and compassion community life. Nothing in the world. And it's just going with what our design template is. Y'all so beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks so much, David, for that uh, beautiful talk and demonstration. I think it's beautiful to weave in physical activity and touch with obviously lecture and speaking. Um, what came to mind there, mind, was the difference between being mindful, being thoughtful, and now from what you had said, maybe another twist is heartful. 
another term that we could use. How can we both engage our minds and thoughts and ideas with our hearts? And how can we better blend them together so that we can do what we are designed to do as community members and be more heartful about things? teacher and for anyone not familiar with permaculture in short it's basically all about returning to kind of the natural state of how humans are meant to be integrated into the rest of the earth community so kind of like what David was saying like our human intuition is cooperation and it actually can affect our health and survival for us to be lonely like we are meant to be in community and a real foundation of permaculture is community and when thinking about community, I kind of think about not only how do we nurture community and what are the things that really um, yeah, feed and make a breeding ground for communities to be healthy, but also what are the things in our current culture that are against community? Because kind of everything in our current culture is about this hyper rugged individualism and it's about um, just being to ourselves and a lot of our systems like capitalism and globalization are all taking the power out of our communities and, and into grocery stores. So for example, instead of getting lettuce from your neighbor or going down the street and finding someone to make you a table or whatever it is, we, we rely on the, on the grocery store or the furniture store and it's kind of all returning to um, purchasing things and it's replacing money and materialism with our connections. So, Individualism and materialism are a huge materialism are a huge thing that are um, kind of tearing down our communities. And then another thing, of course, are all of these different systems of oppression and injustices that are happening. So, racism, sexism, um, huge wealth inequalities, and all these different things. So, today we're going to do a little activity that is about um, kind of really celebrating the diversity that's in this room in this community. Uh, I've been living in Puerto Viejo for just under two years, and I love it here, and one of the biggest reasons why I've kind of made this place my home and I love it here is because of how diverse and beautiful this community is, and how many different people from different backgrounds there are, and in saying that, there's so much potential, but then of course we also all have to recognize um, all these different systems of oppression that most of us grew up in and still are within this greater system. And within that also, just how much strength there is in vulnerability and tearing down these walls in between each other and yeah, really celebrating the diversity, anti-individualism and all of that. So can we all stand up and stand in a circle, please? That's We have some space in the front of the room. So we're going to do an activity that's called Step In. Um, I host different, uh, I host sustainable living retreats and we do a lot of community building events at them and this is one of them. So for this activity, I'm going to read a list of statements and I'm basically gonna say Step In If and they're going to be different kind of like identity things. So for example, it might be step in if you identify as a man, step in if you identify as a woman, etc. And if you, um, yeah, if you resonate with whatever I said, take one step in and just take one moment to look around and make eye contact with the other people in the room who took a step in. 
and then you can step back. Um, they start a little bit more casual and get a little bit more vulnerable as it goes on. And I just want to say first, um, of course, don't feel like you have to step in ever. Um, also, you can feel free to take a step out of the circle if you ever feel uncomfortable. This is totally just as much as you want to share. But yeah, this is a super beautiful activity. And then after, we're going to just do a little debrief and, and talk about it a little. Okay. So, step in if you identify as female. Step in if you identify as male. And then you can step back, sorry. You can just step back after the moment. Step in if your skin is white. Step in if your skin is black. Step in if your skin is a color other than black or white. Step in if you have ever played on a sports team. Step in if you and your family regularly go to church, synagogue, mosque, etc. Step in if you and your family are not religious. Step in if you have ever lived in another country different from where you grew up. Step in if you have more than three siblings. Step in if you are an only child. Step in if you are the oldest child. Step in if you are the youngest child. Step in if you grew up in a single parent household. <laughs> Step in if you are wearing glasses or contact lenses. Step in if you play a musical instrument. Step in if one or both of your parents were born in a country different from the one where you grew up. Step in if you were born in a country different from the one where you grew up. Step in if you have lived all of your life in or near the same town. Step in if you grew up speaking English. 
step in if you grew up speaking Spanish? Step in if you grew up speaking a language other than English or Spanish. Step in if you have ever felt self-conscious about your body. <laughs> Step in if you ever if you have ever gotten an A in school. Step in if you have ever been told by an adult you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Step in if you consider yourself to be an intelligent person. Step in if you consider yourself to be a creative person. Step in if you consider yourself to be an athletic person. Step in if you said, I love you to someone today. Step in if someone said, I love you to you today. Step in if you are on honor roll often in school. Step in if you struggled in school. Step in if you are a parent. Step in if you get along well with your siblings. Step in if you've ever done something you know you shouldn't have because of peer pressure. I know, I need for that. Step in if you are afraid of dying. Step in if you are married. Step in if you would like to get married someday. <laughs> Step in if you would like to have children someday. Step in if you have regrets about something you've done. Step in if you believe the world is in tough shape. Step in if you believe that you will be able to change the world in some way. Step in if you have ever been told you are too fat. Step in if you've ever been told you're too thin. Step in if you have made a generalization about one of the groups that stepped in during this exercise. 
Step in if you have been a victim of stereotyping. Step in if you currently have a secret crush on someone. <laughs> Step in if one of your parents is no longer living. Step in if your parents are separated or divorced. Step in if your family owned the house you grew up in. Step in if you've ever had a friend who has died. Step in if you believe in God. Step in if you have ever stolen something. Step in if you've ever been a victim of sexism. Step in if you have ever been a victim of racism. Step in if you have ever feared violence in your community. Step in if you would consider yourself to be wealthy. Step in if you would consider yourself to be poor. Step in if you are proud of your race. Step in if you are proud of your gender. Step in if you are happy with your relationship with your parents. Step in if you sometimes feel that you are inferior to others. Step in if you feel loved. That's all of If everyone could just take a moment to close your eyes, I'm going to read a few reflection questions, and then we're just going to get in a few small groups and kind of debrief this activity a little bit. What was the hardest part of this exercise for you? What did you learn about yourself through this exercise? If you crossed the line alone or only with a few others, how did that feel? If you were one of the only people to not step in, how did that feel? Do you now feel the need to explain yourself to the rest of the group? What did you learn about others through this exercise? In your opinion, what is the value of this exercise? Okay. So you can open your eyes now. Okay, if everyone could just get into groups of four or five, preferably with people you don't know. 
and I just want you to kind of talk about how this made you feel, what you might have noticed, what it brought up in you or others, and then how does that relate to Puerto Viejo in this community, and how can we better support and nourish diversity within this community now? And then maybe we'll share some, some thoughts and feedback from the different groups. Groups of four or five. Of people you don't know. Can I join your group? <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, just like one more minute if you guys could start wrapping up.
for those, those communities. Hey guys. So our group talked about um, vulnerability. Um, and so she asked me like what are some ways that what is something that makes you feel able to be more vulnerable in your community and the first thing that came to my mind was consistency. So we were talking about consistency and how like import the vehicle that can be a little bit challenged because there's half of the community, Masamanos, that is like here, rooted here, living here, always here, living online, and there's the other half that's constantly shifting or changing in and out in like short periods amount of time and this can create um, a little bit of a divide in like being able to create spaces where you really become um, in full trust and safety to like build those vulnerable relationships and nurture those vulnerable relationships because there are some people that are here and there are some people that are gone and our natural defense mechanism knowing that somebody is temporary is to not fully give all of our vulnerabilities to them. So then that creates kind of like an inconsistency that doesn't allow that safety So um, when we talked about um, uh, Dex, um, well, he's actually a native here, so yeah. we kind of talk more on that sense. Uh, and I think what we talk about is. Uh, he noticed the violence around the world, but also, uh, I guess, in his community or him being here, he notices a lot of violence also. So um, we uh, talked about like the diversity of the people here and how we love it. And he from London and uh, uh, where I was from, being a uh, you know Honduras and stuff. So we just talked about we kind of bonded, but <laughs> we talked about uh, just. Little things we notice about like the community that you know we can make stronger bonds, the balance, and uh, actually getting to know each other. Right? So, yeah. specifically for the Puerto Viejo community, but one of the um, things we talked about is uh, race and just the racial questions and how that brought up like uncomfortability 
um, with some of us, and like, especially me and this brother right here, and how it was like, we felt conflict because those terms are like some things that we don't necessarily identify with fully, so it showed up in our body, body like we were like, eh, so it was like our body reflected the way that we internally felt. Um, so we talked about that and just how limiting it is sometimes when it comes to racial things, racial terms, or um, racial identifications. Um, and then we also talked about the, like the necessity or the beauty of diversity, um, specifically when he was living in Hawaii for X amount of years and um, how the, a lot of the people there, it's like, so when Hawaii is one of the diverse um, places as far as the amount of people or the complexities, the tones, um, and things like that, because like every person kind of produces a different look. Um, I don't know if I'm hitting it right now. It goes down to genes and stuff, stuff that I'm not so fluid uh, in talking about, but you talk about the diversity of genes and how that's important. And, uh, I can say that I show that, I see that here in this Puerto Rico community as well. I think that the diversity is one of the things that draws a lot of people in, one of the things that we all appreciate, and um, it's one of the things that keeps it thriving and healthy and things like that. That, did everyone get to share for every group? Yeah. Thank you, everyone. I just yeah really want to encourage you to challenge yourself to be vulnerable and, and find spaces where you can. I totally resonate with what you all were saying. With it, it can be hard here when it's such a transient place. Um, but finding talks to do that. Also, just not only celebrating the diversity here, but being super aware of it. Just, just how beautiful it is and all the opportunities to both learn um, and give in this community. Thank you all. Thank you, Elizabeth. Woo. That was, um, love that group facilitation activities are the best. Uh, one thing that came up for me in watching everyone uh, is perhaps, because this is such a transient place, it maybe teaches us is that about attachment, and it teaches us the power of the jungle and how the jungle doesn't really get attached to things and how nature doesn't really get attached to things. There's a natural order, there's a natural way of being, of uh, becoming, and the relationship nature has with time and space is perhaps one lesson that we can all take as well. So the practice of non-attachment and uh, the acceptance of the way in which things are and how they unfold. And that is definitely a struggle that I personally have, being someone just like Chantel, not sure if I'm in and out and whatnot, having homes in multiple places around the world uh, or establishing that. So that's sort of what I took away from that. I'm gonna shift into our third presenter of the day Nicole Ray, who will be speaking on the spirit of community. Everyone give her a round of applause. Starting to just be obnoxious and go on and on and on and on, just you know, 
Somebody set the timer. <laughs> I have a brief slideshow. Um, but I'm pretty much going to be discussing something that I found to be a void, not only in my personal life, but in this community and even in communities back home. Uh, we seem to be doing all of the third dimensional things like the farming and the holistic stuff and the organic stuff and the meditation and the chakras and we're doing all this stuff but it's void of a certain intimacy that I think is integral so that everything can integrate. So give me a hot second. I have a disclaimer though. Um, many of you guys may not know me in real life. Um, if you know me on Instagram, you already know why I'm giving a disclaimer. But in real life, um, I'm very vulgar, I'm very unfiltered. Uh, I'm trying to shift into the more tasteful delivery of conveying how I feel and my messages and things. But I'm going to be mindful, you know, but just given the basis of some of these topics, they're pretty that taboo. So this is my trigger warning. Um, I'm going to try my best not to trigger anyone, but it might happen anyway. So. Um, where is the mouse? Okay. So, um, when I say the spirit of community, pretty much what I mean is the spirit of intimacy, or just intimacy in general. Um, like I said, it's something that we don't really have anymore, and we kind of overcompensate for it in our romantic and uh, sensual, sexual relationships because of how it's missing in our platonic or familial relationships. Um, so anytime that you hear me talking about anything moving forward, just know that intimacy is the essence that I'm trying to really convey. Um, if any of you guys have never read this book, you should probably get it. It's great. I let Drew borrow it. It's the basis of everything that I do because I remember at one point I was trying to build a village and I was missing it severely and nothing was working. So um, I just want to read a little excerpt from it. It says, Intimacy in general terms is a song of spirit inviting two people to come and share their spirit. Two people come together because spirit wants them together. What is important now is to look at the relationship as spirit-driven instead of driven by the individual. Once a relationship is taken out of its spiritual context, it faces many dangers. A deep disconnection is created, not only on a spiritual plane, but on a personal level. So people involved in a solely sexual relationship, for instance, carry within themselves a huge energetic hole from early childhood wounds or traumas um, that completely cuts them off from their true authentic selves. Their hope is that the person with whom they're involved with might give them that connection that they crave. The relationship doesn't have any kind of grounding, force, or foundation to hold it together. Separation from spirit, as we see in the West or in America or America's more modern societies, causes a greater emphasis on romantic love or sexual relationships. Yet, romantic love creates a vortex of longing for another person. It is the only way of finding that other connection, which is more so the spirit that we're actually looking for. So when we're looking for depth and sensuality and this closeness and this overtly Disney romanticized thing, what we're actually looking for, that magic, I think, that we're looking for is spirit or intimacy. Um, and a lot of times, again, we take this as a purely sexual, romantic thing, but it's a little bit deeper than that. 
So I want to give you guys a little context on how intimacy has showed up in my life, um, just so that you can understand my verbiage and why I speak the way that I speak or why I feel the way that I feel. Um, so I'm originally from the Bronx, New York, um, but a lot of my cultural influence is from Harlem. And if anybody's been to Harlem or knows anybody from Harlem, you know that it's very unfiltered, raw, straight to the point, very just, you know, y'all know if y'all know. Um, my parents, in particular, grew up in the crack era. If anybody knows what the crack era is, that's when the government took drugs, threw it in our communities, and said, figure it out, right? So both of my parents were on drugs. Um, my father was incarcerated most of my life, in and out of jail, on and off drugs, abusive, violent, the whole nine. And my mother passed when I was two, not only from drugs, but from disease. Not because of the disease, but because, again, the government chose to experiment on her, so that's how um, she passed. But I noticed that these two situations pretty much cause uh, a void in terms of connection and compassion. Like, as soon as those things started to take place and I started to understand what was going on, um, I didn't really have a solid connection with compassion and intimacy at all. Um, and even when I craved it or wanted it, it was kind of fleeting. So I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about what robbed me of intimacy, and I would just go as far as to say it's trauma. Uh, most of the time, intimacy being taken from us or avoided within us is because of trauma, more so unaddressed trauma. Um, so there were three staple things that really traumatized me completely to where I was just cold and calculated harsh, not able to connect, not willing to connect, and petrified of whatever intimacy looked or smelled or felt like. Um, the first one is discovering my spiritual gifts, um, which I feel like were triggered by my mother passing at so young. Um, anybody that understands birth and the spiritual portal that understands that when you push a child out for the first really seven years, you guys are intimately connected. So if that's severed prematurely, the child is left to navigate a world that they don't really understand third dimensionally. And so that portal was left wide open and then the influx of all these perceptual gifts came about and I didn't know what to do with that. Um, so I felt like it robbed me of my trust and connection because to take it back to village living and indigenous culture, we had shamans, we had everybody that had a specific role, the storytellers, the healers, the farmers, the herbalists, the medicine women. When um, being that from America, again, so this is more so Afro-Indigenous uh, culture. We're still indigenous, but most people don't realize that. Um, we were taken not only from our villages, but from our culture and then robbed of our identity. So going back to that and remembering what that was or what it takes to sustain that was is traumatic because we don't know what to do when we hear voices, when we see spirits, when we see entities, when we are thrusted with the, the, the depth of our bloodline. We don't know what to do with that. And so we end up in mental homes and stuff. So the second one was just being in the hood, um, the violence, seeing people get uh, shot, being in the middle of shootouts, seeing people get stabbed in front of me and dying, seeing people that my father stabbed people in front of me, like it, was, it wasn't the violence that really traumatized me, it was more so the lack of compassion. So I started to think that that was normal. Like, okay, I can talk to you any kind of way, that's just how we talk. I use that for as long as I can remember. Like, that's how I talk, that's how I talk, that's how I talk. And forcing people to adjust to that and not really being compassionate and understanding that everybody comes from a different area where the verbiage or the language is different. And then lastly, it would be religious and cultural programming, which I think robbed me of my trust in duality the good and the bad, the left and the right, the up and the down, like it kind of made me polarize myself to one or the other. And that also affected my relationship with source or nature or God because I'm like, okay, uh, I'm gonna burn in hell for being myself or being my dual self or embodying duality. And so in order to please God, I must not be myself. So that was a perpetual thing that kind of kept me in limbo for a little bit. Um, and kept me from obviously being intimate in various corners of my life. 
So that goes into, or leads me into the topic of the importance of identity sovereignty. Um, I don't know if you guys read the last mind share, but one of the things that I brought up was like, is there shadow work being done in this community? Does anybody do inner child work? Is anybody aware of the inner child? Or are we just here trying to start over and erase the history of where we came from and then just act like everything's all good and pure la vida, right? Um, and this has been a work that I have, I didn't do it by choice, I was kind of thrown into it, so, you know. Um, so I wanna kind of go over a little brief piece of content that I made a while ago about identity sovereignty. And I feel like there's three levels of one's identity that we gotta kind of become aware of so that we can see where on the spectrum we fall and how that dictates how we respond to the world. So we have peer and familial identity. So this is what we all think of one another. Like I know she's nice, I know he's mean, I know she's the cook, she's the herbalist, she's uh, loud, she's quiet. This is what our families and our peers and our friends typically think of us. And then we respond to that and we're like, okay, they think this of us, so this is must, this must be how we are. And then when you continue to evolve a little bit, we go into our historical racial identity. So this is like, I'm white, I'm black, I'm Spanish, I'm African. Uh, I, was, I came from slavery, I was brought to the Americas on a boat, or I was brought to this place from this place, and this is what my people endured without real inner knowledge of whether or not that's true. So we're just kind of taking what someone taught us and then molding our identity around that. And then the last one is metaphysical and ancestral identity, which is something that I think all of us are inching into without really realizing it, being in Puerto Viejo, because if you've been here over five years, you know that this is pretty much a, a vortex of some sort. Um, and it brings out a lot without you having to really try that hard. Um, when I say shadow work, I think the shadow work inevitably happens. A lot of people get pushed out of this area because the shadow, the inner child, what it needs, it's, it's too much. It's, it's, you can't just stay in that limbo of work, eat, sleep, entertainment cycle doesn't work here. So um, when you're more cognizant of where you fall on this spectrum, even if it's a couple of those, I think it gives a lot of insight on how you can or cannot deal with a lot of the other things that come about. Um, so this is another um, thing that I think is important, which is subtleties and undertones. So this is the language that I primarily speak. Even if I'm using words, I speak in undertones. I read energy as I'm sure many of you guys do. A lot of you guys do energy work, meditation, Reiki. So you understand energy, you understand emotions and how that translates in a space. Um, and so I wanted to get into how we can learn to alchemize and transmute a lot of the dissonance and discomfort that we feel around energetic imbalances, if you will. So first would be dealing with emotional triggers, which requires accountability. The second would be holding space, which requires compassion. The third would be communication governed by uh, self-awareness, because we can communicate till the cows come home using our words, because they're words, but is there really a, a sense of self involved in that communication that's being nurtured and acknowledged? And then we have inner child work, shadow work, which in essence clears your bloodline or curses or karmic debt, whatever you want to label it as. Anything that your great, great, great grandparents just kind of left for you to clean up, whether that be self-worth issues, self-hate, um, abuse, anything like that, you're kind of left to take that baton and deal with it. And then you have avoiding spiritual bypassing, which is kind of the ascension versus the incension. You know, like we're all trying to ascend to these higher dimensions, but we're not really inhabiting our lower chakras or the things inside of us that need to be acknowledged before we can even become truly cognizant um, of what higher dimensions would be like. Um, so I want to ask you guys a question. And this is something that I think will trigger you to think about some of the things that I'm talking about. What was your reaction to the onset of COVID-19? Because just from my vantage point, it turned a lot of people's worlds upside down. A lot of people were triggered. They didn't know how little control they actually had over their lives. 
Um, the trajectory of their lives changed. They had to question, like, well, what am I doing every day? Why am I doing this every day? Or they were forced to sit with their children. Do I even like my children? Do I even want to be around these people? It was so many different questions that people were like, okay, uh, can this stop? And it didn't stop. So it was like forced shadow work, you know? And the universe or this realm tends to do that where it's like, oh, you don't want to do it? Let me just go ahead and do that for you real quick. And that, I think this was like the largest uh, version of that. Because we experienced it in micro doses, I think. But this was a collective thing that we all shared. So ask yourself where you were aware and responsible of your triggers. Like a lot of people were just always triggered, arguing. If any of you guys are in group chats, everybody's just flustered and angry and not really mad at one another, but just craving this comfort and this intimacy that we don't really have because we're so busy or we're so into our day-to-day -day lives or our relationships or whatever. Um, and then ask yourself even, what's your sense of purpose? Was your sense of purpose and identity at all challenged? Like, did you question who you were? Did you question who you stood, what you stood for? When the talk of vaccines and, and, and tests and all this stuff, did it make you wonder like, wow, am I really that unaware of what's going on or does it matter? Or should I listen to this person or that person? Do I need to do more research? Like, what did it bring up inside of you? And you'll find that a lot of the things that made you uncomfortable are directly correlated with your inner child. Just the lack of control, the lack of expression that you had, the lack of an ability to act, or the lack of loving or being loved, or the, act, the, the lack of speaking up for yourself. And I even found that on the flip side of that, a lot of people's inner children stepped up and was like, you know what, I'm going to say what I feel. I never say what I feel, but I'm saying it's here today. So a lot of people were emancipated and liberated while others were kind of like, oh my God, I just want to, <laughs> I want this to be over. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be over till we uh, dig within, so... Um, some tools that I figured I'd share with you guys just based on my personal experience with um, articulating these more complex, subtle undertones, essences, subtleties that aren't as apparent until there's somebody, I guess, articulate enough to convey them. Um, it, it helps with uh, navigating certain arenas like shadow work or holding yourself accountable or digging into those more unseen, taboo, uncomfortable aspects of existence in yourself. So the first one would be being transparent and honest and inquiring instead of assuming or creating a story. So with this one, I found that when your inner child is traumatized and you, when you haven't become aware of that trauma, um, we create stories because that story is gonna validate that trauma. And um, I found that I do that sometimes, especially when I don't wanna believe that what's happening is, like let's say I'm like, okay, you guys are attacking me. And they might just be saying something that makes my inner child feel unheard or unseen. And instead of projecting and saying, you're attacking me, I usually go within and say, okay, why do I feel attacked though? Like she's just using her free will to speak. And why am I so triggered? And I kind of roll within. Um, sometimes I don't have that kind of self-control and I lash out, but then hopefully I'm around people that would understand that that's my inner child and not just you know my waking adult identity. And then the second one is honoring energetic boundaries that people set for themselves, which is reflective of honoring where they're at on their journey. Struggle with that most of my life. Um, as soon as I realize something, I feel like everybody's supposed to realize it at the same time. And I'm like, no, y'all gotta see this though. Like, you don't know that that's what's happening because what's happening to you is da 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 da, -da and I completely violate their process. Um, and they're setting a boundary, not consciously, but because they're not ready yet. They don't, they don't see it like that yet. So I can't bully you into submission because I'm excited about what I've discovered within myself. Um, and I'm still working on that to this very moment, so you know. <laughs> um, so the third one is seeing your inner world. <laughs> seeing your inner world as a lens to your outer world. So if your outer world is always in chaos, if it's always disharmonious, dissonant, imbalance, violence, chaotic, 
you might want to, you know, just look inside and say, well, what the hell am I not doing? Or what am I doing that's even causing it to manifest in this way? Because I find that a lot of people talk about manifestation when it comes to desires and wants and cravings, but they don't talk about manifestation when it comes to how their world goes into influxes of chaos. And then they're like, well, today was just crazy. Oh, yes, it must be the retrograde. But it's like, okay, yeah, but what about you? You know, what role are you playing in your awareness or lacking thereof? Um, the fourth one is practicing transparency when your inner child is triggered. So this is a harder one because a lot of us want to be the bigger person and we want to come off as mature and balanced and elegant and all this stuff. But the inner child, if you see my son, if he wakes up, you'll see that he doesn't give a damn about how he looks. When he feels something, he acts it out, he says it, he throws stuff, he'll throw himself, he'll attack me. Um, and I'm not saying go to this extent, obviously use your adult waking discernment, but Sometimes the inner child needs that space, and this is, I guess, the part of shadow work and inner child work that most people aren't comfortable with, because they're like, I'm not going to hurt the ones I love. I'm not going to curse people out. I'm not going to throw a tantrum, but sometimes we do it inevitably, and we see it more in our romantic relationships, because why? We overemphasize romance because we're lacking intimacy in our communities. So I feel like if we were closer and we talked more and we were more vulnerable and transparent, our partner wouldn't get all of that heaviness because we'd have our brothers and our sisters and the men would have their group and then the women would have their group and then we could come together in more balanced of a way to where when it's time to be transparent, it's not a woman who's gone through labor and menstrual cycles and rape and all this stuff trying to convey to a man who's going through things with his ego and things with his masculinity and things with providing and they don't really understand each other. He needs men for that and we need women for that. So um, transparency in those regards are really important, especially as it um, concerns the gender groups. And then the last one would be knowing when there's space for you and when there's not. Also a big one for me. Uh, I take space, uh, I demand space. I don't really uh, have a good discernment in that regard. Um, sometimes I feel like once I feel something, my inner child is like, for, for 15 years, we didn't say anything. So now is the time to just claim this space and don't give a fuck about who, sorry if there are any kids here, about who um, who's in that space and what they think and what they feel. And sometimes that's a bit much, especially after the third and the fourth and the fifth time. Now people are like, okay, she's crazy. She's impulsive, she has issues. She should go to a mental home, right? And then you're like, damn, I probably should have you know, taken that time out. So. The, the energetic boundaries in this space thing kind of coincide because you have to become more discerning, especially after the third and the fourth and the fifth and the ninth time of lashing out in front of everybody and acting fool, which I've done plenty of times. Um, so then there's a few quotes that I also thought brought these things into beautiful context. One starting with, intimacy seems to be one of the major highs of life whether it's getting to know yourself in a deeper way, or your partner, or the world, or the society that you live in. So I feel like the pandemic has pretty much been a, an a encompassing thing of this quote right here because we got to become more aware of the nature of our communities. I feel like Puerto got closer. We got far more intimate than we were. I've been here since 2016, in and out. And this town is always changing, but I sense that even though I feel like we have a little further to go with intimacy, it was a lot more intimate than I've ever seen it because everybody was so excited to get out of the house and stop being quarantined. And it was like that intimacy just came back naturally. Um, and getting to know yourself in that deeper way, I think is like the, the foundation of nurturing that. And next, or the next quote is, again, our marriage problems are not really marriage problems. They're heart problems, they're God problems. Our lack of intimacy with God causes a void that we try to fill with the frailest of substitutes like wealth or pleasure or fame or respect or people or marriages, right? So 
a lot of what we're realizing that are issues within ourselves or in the world is a lack of a connection to source, to nature, to ourselves, to loving and being loved, not working on that on an internal level and expecting our partners or our friends or our sisters or our children to give us this source of love that we've never given ourselves and it'll never be good enough, which is why I say it's frail, it's very frail. Um, and it ends up becoming toxic if we don't realize that that's what we're doing. Then the next one is communication is a continual balancing act, juggling the conflicting need for intimacy and independence. And I actually think this is one of the, the issues here in Puerto. A lot of people, when they're prompted to deal with themselves, they're like, I'm not opening up. This is my feelings, I don't have to share with you. I'm not ready and I'm not doing it. And I'm not, you know, it's an independent singularity, respect, privacy thing. But it comes a point where if we're too afraid to be open and transparent and honest and vulnerable, it's like over-independence, which is kind of what I think pushed us away from the village life and got us into more of like, this is our household, your household, your family, your, you know, and now we're not even together in a village setting. Um, and we're too, too independent, which is what that book, The Spirit of Intimacy, talks about village life in Africa versus modern life in Western culture. And how it's kind of absurd to Africans that live in villages to see individual households where they're like, well, why is everybody so separate? Where, why is, you know, why is the aunt and uncle all the way over there? And then the aunt, because they all see everybody's like, you have seven mothers, you have seven fathers, everybody's everybody's child. Um, and we kind of see this in black communities or black culture. Um, everybody can kind of discipline your kid. You know, that was the last of that residue, I believe. Um, so over-independence kind of stifles intimacy as well. And lastly, um, this is probably my favorite one, at least, embarrass at least embarrassment is not an imitation. It is intimacy for beginners. So this goes into shame, guilt, um, just wanting to look a certain way, facades, upholding facades, um, and not wanting to be intimate because you're scared that you're gonna embarrass yourself or you're scared that somebody's gonna see a part of you that you don't want them to see, or you know, you just don't wanna be yourself or you haven't really nurtured that authenticity yet. Um, but it's intimacy for beginners. It's literally like how you start out, being okay with being embarrassed, a little ashamed, a little awkward, a little bashful, like, oh, I don't really wanna say that, but I said it, that's a step. And the more you keep doing that and doing that and doing that and showing up, I think that um, you open up more space for intimacy. Um, so, I have an exercise. I don't know if everybody's exercised out, but you don't have to get up. Um, so, if you can, if you will, if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you and tell them an aspect that you might have been off put by energetically, emotionally, physically, anything that's very different from what you're used to seeing, anything that's like, hmm, I don't really understand this about you, or this is interesting about you, or hmm, I've never really seen anybody like you before. Anything that would pose a question that you might not immediately ask because, well, you don't know them. Um, and while you're doing this, if you will, assess body language, can you hold eye contact with them? Um, how is your verbiage? How do you speak to them? Are you hesitant to do it? Everybody looks really uncomfortable, by the way. Just gonna throw that out there. Um, <laughs> so maybe we won't do this. Maybe this is a stretch, but follow the principle. If you don't want to do it, just follow the principle here and do it on your own time. Maybe out in the street. Oh, my son's up. Um, and when you knocked out. Um, if you don't want to do it in here, just take this exercise home. I think that might be more uh, comfortable. And just try to look at how transparent you're able to be or not able to be. Are you able to be authentic? Do you notice any micro expressions? Assess your body language. Do you tense up? Are you like trying to look away? Can you hold eye contact and say, hi, how are you? And then when you walk away, are you like, oh God, did I say it right? Did I look right? Like just try to observe yourself in that light. 
And it'll kind of give you some insight on your relationship with intimacy. Like, is there a part of you that you still unconsciously don't want anybody to see or something that you're insecure about or something that, you know, is keeping you from connecting from a person or maybe you feel like they're too different from you or you you're too different from them. Um, so just do that whenever you get a chance. You're feeling spontaneous or, you know, under the influence, whatever your circumstances. Um, so I have some closing points. Um, I knew that wasn't going to work, but it was worth a try. Yes. You didn't give us a chance. Yeah. I didn't give you a chance? Oh, 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 okay. All right, here's a vote. Who wants to do the intimacy exercise? I mean, has any, has any or whoever wants to do it, does it, and then we talk about it after, whichever y'all want to do. But. Okay, I knew that was going to be a thing. Maybe not awkward. Look at someone and try to find something that's very different that you can't grasp or that's just new for you or something that's like, hmm, I wouldn't typically ask her that, but let me just take this time to ask her that. Is that better? Instead of off-put? Does that work? Okay. Um, and I guess when you guys are done, uh, we can discuss what you guys found, maybe, perhaps, or not. I don't know. Yes? Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna choose. Oh wait, before you start, before you start, I'm gonna choose someone and do it myself after, just to. Ju.
was, well, I, I thought it was interesting that there was a sexual orientation Did you previously think that 
it was a primarily romantic thing, and has that expanded a bit, especially with the exercise that you guys did? Um, maybe ask yourself, are you aware of your emotional, physical, or mental traumas beyond just physical traumas? Because sometimes there's a stigma behind the nature of trauma, abuse, or rape, or physical trauma, but there's a such thing as mental and emotional and energetic trauma, which I think the exercise beautifully helps some of you maybe work through on a more subtle level. And lastly, um, do you know who you are to enough of an extent to hold yourself accountable and engage in this type of work? Um, is it too foreign of a turf for you to do comfortably, or is it something that you confidently feel like you can just inch into bit by bit? Um, but nonetheless, uh, hopefully those questions aren't too deep and dark and uncomfortable. Thank you guys for having me. If you want to follow me at any point, at your own discretion, please, God. Don't go on there if you just, just your own discretion. Thank you guys for listening to me babble. <laughs>
Might I say we're all doing a very, very awesome job. These events take a lot, uh, there's a lot of learnings. So pacing ourselves, breathing, taking those moments to drink water, um, managing energy so that we can be sponges and absorb as much as possible is, is part of this style of learning. It's beautiful. Thank you guys for showing up again. Jordan. Um, 
you know, even a job or a workplace situation. Like I've had jobs where I'm like, well, I'm, I wouldn't choose to hang out with all these people every day, but here we are, and this is kind of my, my family now. Um, so community is really driven by who you choose to spend your time with or who you end up spending your time with, and then how you spend your time. What are you doing with those people, right? Um, so then you think about what allows community to not just survive, right, but to really thrive. Um, and the only way that that happens is when people decide to actually show up, right? It doesn't, nothing happens if there's no life, life force. Um, there has to be continual facilitation, right, and commitment by the people involved to continue to, you know, give life to this thing or else it's going to wither and die. So it really does resemble a living organism, you know? So it, it sounds cliche, but communities do, it's a lot like, you know, a garden, right? So you can envision this, you know, garden, you can plan for it, you can plan it, you can, you know, go look at it every day. But unless you've got people showing up, you know, feeding it, watering it, making sure there's sunlight, making sure there's the right amount of shade, eventually it's gonna die off, right? So communities are similar in the way they operate. It takes consistent maintenance, it takes care, you know, it takes nurturing to really be successful. Um, so that all being said, I'm gonna ask some of you growing folks some questions about how they have intentionally nurtured the communities that they've spearheaded. Um, so we've got a little bit on where they came from, if y'all wanna expand on where you, where, you, where you came from and how long you've been here. But mostly, um, what decisions, what was it in your life that led you to either take the reins on your particular business organization or drive you to starting something like a business or the coral conservation? And, uh, thank you, Jordan. Um, so for me, I, before I lived here in Puerto Viejo, I was living in the Pacific Coast and I was dedicated to be a spa manager of high-end hotels. I ended up to living my life 12 hours per day uh, working for a company that I not necessarily shared uh, values with them. And um, I came after five months traveling India. I, I wanted to change my life situation. I wanted to focus more on my spiritual development. And I had had a long time affair with Puerto Viejo. So I ended up here working for a hotel as well. <laughs> So I was nine years, uh, nine months working for a hotel more um, connected with my values. It was a retreat hotel center. And after nine months, I chose, okay, it's enough of the hotel paternalism. I want to be free. So, and I was like every day off coming down to Puerto and looking and meeting people, enjoying life, living life, going to the beach, having friends making community, going to the farmer's market. And so I said, okay, I'm missing this. Uh, I came back, I came to live here and I left. Um, it was a moment of a little bit of fear because I had to start being freelance and being new to a community. And how do I make myself um, being trusted by by people uh, to get massages with me, to get uh, yoga lessons with me. So I started going to every one of the, to all the spas, to all the hotels and offering my freelance services. Um, I was kindly offered, uh, I was, first place I taught yoga was here. 
where home used to be, and so this was my home <laughs> at Caribbeans, and um, and yeah, so this was my first place teaching yoga. Um, afterwards, uh, yes, I think like for nine years it has been beautiful to have a constant. Um, students coming which is has been one of the well this is for another question you had <laughs> I'm not going there for the challenges <laughs> so yes so it was nine nine years until I'm here now I have more um, stability economically as well um, social I have uh, I feel the support of community um, I love to live in Puerto Viejo, to hop on my bicycle and to say hi every five meters. Hey, hello, how are you? Good to see you. And also during these nine years, I have felt also how my involvement with community has shifted. I have been, there have been years, months that I'm more involved and I'm um, involved in creating events and like last year and until this year, I have been in a, like more into the shadow work as many of us. So I've been more like inside of me and it took uh, some courage from within to go and be able like to share with the others again. So it, it was uh, a moment of, of shift. So yes, thank you. Before answering the questions, I want to tell you guys that English is not my language. <laughs> I'm not really good, but I will try my best, and if you just don't understand something, just stop me and I will try to explain myself better. And <laughs> answering the question, uh, when I finished my studies in Barcelona about uh, conservation and forest, nothing about the sea, um, I came here to continue my professional training and I was attracted by the beauty of the Caribbean, I think like all of us, and I always had a strong connection with the sea. So here, as time went by, I was experiencing how the marine life and, and the marine ecosystem was, uh, was degrading. It's degrading, degradándose, and and I just decided that I have to do something to help and I decided at that, at that point that I wanted to do something to get involved in the protection of the coral reefs. So when I finished here my studies, uh, my master's degree in marine biology, um, it was so clear to me that I want to spend my life and my energy to build, to to start a project that will impact positively uh, in the in the Caribbean Sea. Okay. And how long ago did you start the core conservation? I started now uh, two eight months ago by myself alone. I was working alone. Okay. But officially, uh, as a team, we are ten people working on this uh, since February. Okay, and you're looking for new recruits and people can come help? Yes. Yes. Yes, we have so much to do. I'm just going to plug this down. Yes. I love it. Y'all do the third, the third Friday of every month? Yes. And it's like, uh, you can, we'll get the Instagram tags, but they go and they clean up trash. And it's, it's, a, it's an awesome, awesome mission. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
school called Lewis Battery Surf uh, School. Um, most of my life I grew up on the beach and I was very familiar with surfing my friends around. Um, and I wanted to do something that not only would like uh, involve people around from the community, but also I've met many people throughout the years, people coming and going, feeling just like most of you all around here when they come and leave all the time. And it could be somewhat a kind of negative point, but at this moment I was like, well, how can I make this to be a positive point instead of negative? I'm looking at that, right? So um, I decided to create a little product first to be able to share with people, make people better, um, communicate with people a little bit better as well. Um, at the moment, I just started on my own, so it's slowly growing. Two years ago, I started with the Lewis Brother, a year and a half, more or less. Um, it's going very well. I feel very grateful because uh, throughout the years of surfing and meeting more people, they just keep on coming more. So, um, yeah, the idea is to keep it going, keep it growing, and trying to give back not only to people that come and share, but also to the community. And through this, is going to be different kind of uh, um, activities to do. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. I also am pretty long-winded, so I'll try to keep this short. Um, so I was a nurse in New York. My house caught fire. Thank God because I, was, uh, I wasn't happy. And I knew there was something bigger and better out there and my heart just wanted to love so bad. That's why I went into nursing in the first place. And I wanted to own an orphanage. That was my goal. I was gonna have all the babies of the world and they were just gonna come to my home and we we're gonna have a great big happy family, learn new age living, blah, blah, blah. Okay, came to Puerto Viejo and my whole world changed. I learned Spanish here, but well, I'm not so and still learning Spanish. And this place, Costa Rica, the land, the people here welcomed me with open arms. And I'm so grateful to this land. I'm so grateful to the people. I came here with $250 and a backpack. So I was hustling. I was cleaning on the beach, I was selling jewelry, I was bartending. And then I came to La Ruca Hostel, which was not La Ruca Hostel. It was a really big dump, full of mold, full of junk, full of yuck. And this couple from Austria tried to make it something. And they didn't have the heart. They didn't really care. They were just like, eh, whatever, whatever. And so I came in as the cleaning lady and the bus stop flyer. I would go to the bus. Every flyer I would give out, I would get $1 for that person to come back. All right, give me a potty. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, as time went on, they were like, oh, Daniela, we don't really care about this. Can you handle everything? I was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah? Okay, cool. So I was receptioning, cleaning, cooking, biking to the bus, putting up a little sign that said, be back in five, trying to fly her and then come back home. It was just a shit show, but a beautiful shit show. And I got to create and be free and be me in that space. And that was where my heart started expanding and growing and learning more about myself and just pouring my essence and my love into this space because that's all I knew how to do. And as that evolved, people started coming. And the first time somebody came with a group, there was a return group, I just bawled my eyes out. I was like, wait, you wanna come back here? 
but I don't understand. Like, why do you want to come here? It's a shithole. And they're like, no, 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 it's so great. We love it. Everything's going to be great. I was like, okay. And then people started coming, and more and more and more. And it was from here. And that, to me, is community. And like David was saying, is like we, as humans, need to connect back to this. And that's what I get to do, and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you, Puerto, and everybody. So I mean, as you can see, right, this is four totally different people, totally different backgrounds, lives, stories, four different missions, and, you know, they've taken an idea, or a passion, and, and turned it into something, right? So, it's super beautiful. I mean, they've all built communities in their own, in their own respects. Um, we're going to run through two more questions, because, I mean, again, I know we're way over time. Um, so, and just pop around a little bit, no need for applause till the end, or, I mean, unless y'all are feeling, feeling real about it. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the evolution process. Um, so when you realized that you were sort of like responsible for keeping this thing alive, right? Um, what did that, what did that look like? And what did it feel like? And like, what was your approach, right? Like, what was the, what was the process surrounding how to figure out how to grow it into what it's, what it's become now, right? So, you know, there's like the pasta approach where you like throw a bunch against the wall and you're like, all right, well, one thing's stuck. And then also, you know, there's like this very intentional, you know, forethought and, and development and, and implementation. So just a little bit um, about the process of how you, how you gave it life and then kept it alive. So Adriana, let's, let's start here. Okay, thank you. Yes, for me, like one of the challenges was what we have already have spoke about, about the um, people transitioning through here. So I would have my yoga classes uh, each like I, I don't know, like five times a week, and each class would be a different person. So I felt I couldn't make like a connection with my students, and I didn't feel like I could um, like grow with them together. And that was what I liked about teaching yoga. So I even in a moment felt like I could do the, exactly the same class each day of the week, and no one would even notice. And that was so sad for my soul. <laughs> and. So I said like, okay, I, I want to offer my services to the community, to the people that it's staying here like for longer periods of time. So I um, I was at Jimmy and Sue or one of my first like aesthetic groups. And it was so lovely to grow with people together. And one of the key things that helped me was to be consistent because we have so much inconsistence here so much uh, lack of routine and if I would put myself like okay so this next Monday I'm not gonna teach because I don't know I'm going to Punta Mona or uh, like I could have all, always an excuse of what not to teach and put a sub substitute but uh, uh, what I was being called for is uh, someone that sticked that would be there weekly so this has been like my my key thing to do to be there to to yes to be there um and also like for my massages for my therapist um it has been like almost like worth of mouth because my approach is i'm a physiotherapist but i have been trained also like in uh, more reiki and metaphysics so i my my way of thinking is that the person that is in need of this is going to be attracted to me so I, I trust the universe and I trust this magic within Puerto Viejo and um, 
like when my my family in San Jose that they're always like telling me like oh this hotel is opening a, a job and the spam management come here or come here they're always trying to pull me back it's like no no I'm fine here and it's like I have universal um, I don't know providing me there's always there when you trust and when you trust the gifts so I have been um, like married with my authenticity and uh, at the beginning I was trying to offer what people was looking for or what I thought people was looking for and I switched that into offering what was really resonating with my heart and what felt um, me so I am that was like uh, I don't know how it worked Okay, we're gonna go Maria and then Danny for this one and then Mom will the next one. Okay, for me the process was, okay, like eight, eight months ago I was alone and I had that crazy idea of crowd conservation project, but I realized that I need people for making real. I, I cannot do this alone by myself, right? So I start to form a beautiful team of people some of them came sharing the desire to act, and some other people I was just like looking for them and, hey, do you want to join us? <laughs> so, yeah, and then now we are 10 people and the process was very beautiful and, and excited and inspiring for me because I wasn't alone anymore and more people wanted to join the mission that helped the ocean and the coral reefs, and I am so happy for that, and yeah. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a passion thing, right? Like people yes. come out because they're like, they yeah. care about it too. Exactly. Cool. Um, so mine is a little bit different because I was Miss Independent and wanted to do everything myself. And then when I recognized everything got put on my plate, it was just too much and people would little by little offer help. And I was like, well, okay, I guess you can like change the trash over there, and okay, yeah, you can sit at reception. And then more and more as I let go of that, just people would volunteer, and I recognized that there could be a balance between volunteers and guests and all of that. So it just comes back to balance, once again, and trust. And I learned a lot through the WorkAway program. So WorkAway, it's an online program, you can, or Woofing, I don't know if you guys know that one, where you can put up your profile and then volunteer around the world. So I was so strict and diligent to have, okay, these four people are gonna be here at this time, da 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 Okay, the world of backpacking does not work like this. So these people would come show up, like, mm, well, I'm gonna go to the beach, and this is why I'm here, and I'm like, okay, cool. So what I started to recognize, once again, the balance of having two people from WorkAway and then two walk-ins, because people that are traveling like to stay at hostels and like to volunteer their time. And when people have experience in those kind of things, it's like, okay, cool. So that little community gets built within the hostel, and that's where, yeah, I've gone balance and more sustainability in that. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, I've actually got two more. One and then one. Um, so I want to talk about some of the nuanced ways that you have encouraged your people to show up. Um, because it looks different for all of y'all's models, right? So. How did you how did you find them and then how did you get them to stay and keep coming back and then maybe if you want to touch quickly on um, was there a point where it kind of took on a life of its own and the community was sort of you know you didn't have to work as hard to sustain it and to keep it but it kind of like started coasting so I'm gonna start with Dex on this one 
Thank you. Um, so, kind of go back a little bit without a question before, but um, one of the ways that I, I try to get people to keep on coming is, well, if you look at everybody at the beach, one of the things that came to my mind is when people at the beach teaching surfing, you see how they set up a board all around, right? I was wondering all the time, well, everybody is a surf instructor pretty much, but how I can be the surf instructor I want to be, what I can teach and how I can share that with the, with the people that come to, to surf with me. And I try to teach something that is uh, very different than everybody else. It's the same thing, people re reaching to me to surf, to learn to stand up right away with everything else. But at the same time, I try to make people feel more comfortable, connect a little bit more water, uh, just the environment where they are, a little bit of the town, communication, um, and in the ocean. But for the most part for me it was a little bit easy because most people knew me around the town. Uh, I've been working in different areas, different places. Most of my time I've been spending as a tour guide at the Jawa Rescue Center for nine years. Um, I started at Caribbean for two and a half, three years almost. So um, it was kind of, more easier for me to get a little bit out there and because I was a little bit like more local living and growing up here, people get to know me more. And with the tours I do, then I promote a little bit of my stuff around. But yeah, it's mostly like word of mouth. Like now they just take his own course where people are sending over um, clients to me. They're like, oh, he's a good instructor. And I try to, again, the same thing as everybody's showing up and, and trying to be as, as authentic as I can. You know, one of the things I like to share with the water is mostly like being the moment where we are. You know, most people have fear of the ocean, falling down, getting underwater, all these different things. I'm like, all of those things can happen, but we're right now surfing. So let's try to get in touch with your body on your board and also in the water yeah. as well. So more or less, this is... Yeah, make it feel comfortable. Exactly. I guess exactly. having some friends doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, nobody got hurt yet so far, so it's really, really good. <laughs> And uh, so far, one of the other experiences I had today, for example, I taught a lesson and the, and the girl felt really good and comfortable and she was like, wow, you teach me a lot. And she was like, I want to rent a board from you because I want to be loyal to it. So I'm like, it starts to grow on its own, yeah. right? You just yeah. be out there and just try to throw yourself out there a little bit too. Well, I think it's almost what I said before, but... Um, Yes, like keeping authentic, being authentic and not worrying as much about what others are gonna think about me offering crazy stuff. And <laughs> I just like, I have a, like a strong passion on meditation and um, breathing. And um, so it's like, I always thought like, oh no, uh, people is not gonna like that. Who's gonna come to my classes? And um, now I throw it, I have like, one student, two students, five students, seven students, and now it, like it's it's growing. Yeah. So I'm happy about yeah. it, and to, to trust myself and to trust there is uh, someone interested in what I have to offer, and um, yeah. and always like following that like my vision or my my purpose is to help people to connect with nature, with nature outside, with nature within. Um, so I, I feel that people come because they have an inside a strive for, for that and some kind of like reason energetically that it's uh, what happens. And um, 
also like m mostly word of mouth because I am not that into social media or I'm, I'm, I'm learning that on that. <laughs> so word of mouth. Thank you. Back to Dexter, but you know, that's kind of, you have to like, you don't have to pedal as hard forever. Right, so eventually like people get on and they're like, they like you or they like what you do. They like that you just are like, I'm gonna throw it out there. Or like, LaRuca feels really good to me. You're like, Dexter's really good, right? You know what he does, so. Um, and we're gonna go back to Dex. Yeah, this next one is actually a question for another one of the personality panel because one of the challenges that I, I face a lot of times is uh, how you get out there a little bit more so people can see a little bit more, right? Social media, internet, all these things. And I just do it on my own. And so it gets a little challenging when you want to write something you don't know what to put in a photo and all of these things. So I want to ask Maria, uh, <laughs> uh, how did she find her team and what did you assign your team that you like? Why you choose them? Porque los, porque los uh, escogiste, porque los, uh, el grupo. Yes, so I always like to have a private conversation with other people that came to the coral conservation because um, my first question is always, why, why, uh, like, why you want to join at coral conservation, right? And you discover so many uh, like values in the in the answers, and all the people in my team has like a strong heart and so many um, ganas to do something good and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one thing about down here is that social media is not nearly as prevalent, right, as, as maybe back in the States or Canada or, you know, across the ocean or whatever. And so it is. Like, a lot of times I'm looking like, hey, is this restaurant open? And I'm like, yeah, and I get there and I'm like, it's closed. <laughs> um, so it is a challenge, right? Because there's, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know, it's not like being in New York City where you're like, you know, you look at a community board and you're like, oh, there's a thousand things to do tonight. Like, how do you get your messaging out there? You know, um, it's a big one. So, all right, this is gonna be the last one for the panel. I'm gonna throw in a few last remarks. Um, obviously, running a business or any organization comes with, you know, a ton of joys, and also, like, a ton of challenges. And, you know, kicking off, you rarely know what those challenges are gonna be. Um, so, I'd be interested to hear from you all um, some of the unforeseen and unexpected challenges you have faced over the years. Um, and then how you navigated them. And we're gonna start at the end and move this way. Okay, so like I said, my goal was to run an orphanage, not a hostel, but it kind of became an orphanage, but that's all right. Um, and yeah, being a foreigner, I didn't know how to speak the language. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And Costa Rica likes to make things extra difficult. So yes. I was like, oh, I need this paper. Okay, so I show up with everything they say that I need to run my business. I'm like, very confident, here it is, yes. Oh, pero falta eso, oh, okay, so you're missing this one thing. Why didn't you tell me that last time? I don't understand. So these like, trials and tribulations of this country have been, uh, yeah, they've taught me a lot of patience, I'd say that, I've learned a lot of patience. And just in the hostile world of um, maybe sometimes asking guests to leave because they're inappropriate, that's always a hard one. Or volunteers that, like, they come in and they want to give their all and like, yeah, I'm here to help you. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, great, and we have a team. And then they're not showing up for shift because they're at the beach. I'm like, okay. So those kind of things uh, have been a really big challenge. 
But overall, just once again, grateful and learning balance and patience and a lot of love. This place has offered that where the ocean meets the sea, or where the ocean meets the jungle. The vibration and the frequency here is fuerte, it's strong. And I'm beyond blessed and grateful to be a part of it. So thank you. Challenges? Just, you know, creating yeah. can be advertising yeah. marketing or whatever. Yeah, I think uh, for the most part on uh, Blue Brothers, it has been a little bit more of a, a social media mostly. Um, that's the biggest one, honestly, that I have sometimes as well. I, for me, it's kind of new at the same time. I work with many other people. I would get a paycheck most of the time. To, you know, I work uh, the instructors for other surf companies as well around, so I would get the money, just do my job, and that's it. Bye. Now it's a, diff a little bit different perspective where I'm actually putting the price of what I'm doing. So sometimes it's a little bit awkward to be like, oh, this is $55 or $50 or, you know, trying to meet people at the same point where people don't feel so uncomfortable or trusted or so on. And so uh, for the most part, it's that part and also the social media part mostly. Sure. Those have been the biggest challenges around there. But uh, yeah. if any ideas that you guys have a good that work, more than working. Thank you. So for us, I think our bigger challenge is to find a way how to enter in communication with the community because we have here so many cultures and visions to understanding nature. So we try to use the main tools that the community use for connect with them. And we also share a lot with the, with the locals in our team. So we can all be uh, united and work together. Also, we are all volunteer, right, in this project. Um, we give our time and energy. And I think our difficulty is to find a way to endure in the time and to have a financial security in some way. And I think finally, uh, to work as a team, because maybe can sounds um, easy, but it's not. We are 10 people with different ages, different cultures, different ways to do things. And some of us, we didn't know each other before. So we are trying to find our rhythm to navigation. And yeah, when we have something important to discuss, we, all, we always sit together and talk and we, we ask ourselves, okay, how we can do that? Um, how we can do this in the best way we can. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Okay, so some of the challenges, uh, well, I'll, I'll already talk about um, inconsistency, a lot of people coming and going, also rain. <laughs> Yoga class canceled. <laughs> no, I'm not coming. <laughs> or um, people. Um, doing a scheduling a massage is like oh I forgot I slept on my nap or some came out so I'm at the beach <laughs> overslept yes so um, this has been like some challenges like last day and uh, yesterday I had like this struggle because I had two cancellations and I was like oh my god how am I manifesting this right so it's like okay I'm not communicating I'm not uh, putting the boundaries so I made like this little card as like policy cancellation. 
It's like because my business is so small that I usually don't use it because like I don't have a machine to put like a deposit or something. So uh, yes, it has been like struggle. I have gone um, through different projects. I have a beautiful project. Uh, like we were five people making this, um, like Bamboo Listico was the name, and if you met this, and we were putting on beautiful events. But also like um, working as a team, it, it gets um, challenging. And also some, uh, like I went uh, traveling and uh, some other went traveling. And so um, the, the core, got loose and yeah, it didn't work. Well, cycle was over. And uh, now I have this other uh, project with one of my friends that we put this Samadhi Wellness Temple. I'm loving it. And, um, but also challenges of keeping uh, two visions to people. I want this color blue, color dorado, white or whatever. So, but, um, I'm very grateful with the community. Um, I have, uh, I feel very supported. Uh, yes, I feel uh, community caring for the um, for the others. And like this last year has been a little bit challenging because community changed a lot. There are so many new people, and like I said, it like in a cave for one year, <laughs> and uh, then coming out and meeting so many new people, and it's like, oh my God, I know no one. <laughs> so it's like, uh, okay, so I have to start going again into more uh, community events, so I get to know community again. So that uh, has been my challenge, and uh, so people also get to know me, and uh, know my services. But yes, uh, very grateful for community. And also one of the things that I, I, I'm working right now is, uh, because I want integration since the day I came here is like I want to integrate with the locals and with the Afro with the Bribri and there is so much of a gap and uh, I haven't found yet how to merge so <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a whole other mind share yes and, yeah. <laughs> and also like I had like uh, a client coming to my to my appointment and saying like, oh, where are you from? I'm Costa Rican. Oh, that's exotic. And like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> where are in Costa Rica? How can that be exotic? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just also because another of the challenges is that there's so much offerings of yoga and massage therapy and healing because this place, uh, it, it draws people with this. It's a, a common dominator here. So yes, it's a lot of competition, and somehow, um, yes, be validated. Uh, maybe yes, not being from a, a big country, I feel sometimes uh, a small. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying not to feel like that, and empower, uh, and, yeah. and um, some inner child world and shadow work, <laughs> and empowering myself. So that's my challenges, and thank you. Cool. All right, I'm gonna um, come through with a few last thoughts and then we can all get out of here. Um, so first off, I just want to take a minute to say thank you for everybody to you know for showing up today. It really does. Um, I mean, that's really what the basis of, commu of community is. You know, it's a willingness and an interest and then a commitment 
to like take the time out of your day to show up for things that you think are important. And you know, talking about forging community is important. That's you know, that's what it is. Um, and so when it comes to taking some of these ideas, right, and maybe going home with it, or wondering like if or how or whatever, if you're feeling compelled to like sort of start your own kind of community, um, you know, just realize that in a lot of ways you are definitely already a community cultivator, um, even if you don't really recognize it, right? So normally even if we don't actually mean to be cultivating community, it is just the natural process that happens when you become proactive and you follow your passions um, or pursue a business idea or just show up for like a meetup, right? So it doesn't have to be something official where you're like, oh, I run this thing or I don't run this thing, right? Like hosting a potluck with your friends is literally cultivating community. Um, you know, you can have clothing swaps, right? There's a ton of things you can do. Um, inviting your neighbor in for tea. Maybe you see the same person out all the time and you're like, hey, do you want to sit on the porch and grab a cup of tea? Um, and then you grow a little bit, right? You can start a community garden. There's little free libraries. Um, you know, doing a trash cleanup, something she was passionate about all of a sudden turned into a, an organization, you know? Um, there's a new LGBTQ community meetup in town. Um, you know, something like what Paul did. He started Caribbean's 15 years ago, and there's definitely a community surrounding it, right? So, 15, that's what I, is that what I heard earlier? That's right. Yeah. So it is, it's really, it doesn't have to look any one sort of way, right? Like we all have the power in us. If we have something that kind of sparks us, there's other people out there that are guaranteed to have the same kind of spark. And if you work a little bit and throw it out there and like get a little bold and brave, there's a good chance you're gonna find them. Um, you know, and honestly, just by shopping local and choosing to spend your money locally and, you know, helping spread the word about great local businesses and word of mouth, that's how a ton of stuff happens here. I mean, that's a killer way to support your community, right? Um,